Linkers, how's it going? I hope you're doing well out there. A uh, new episode for your ears. So in this episode, Rob gets a bee in his bonnet about golf course prices. I try my best to dig out my economics degree to a massive failure. And we give you not one, but four biggest putts. I cannot lie, so stay in tune for that. As always, if you want to get in touch, rod at roads246.com or rob at roads246.com. You can see us at Instagram and you can catch us on Twitter as well. So do get in touch. Anyway, I hope you're doing well out there. Um, golf is back on. I've been out twice in the last three days. It's been blissful considering the weather here in the UK is scorching. So, you know, if you do have access to a golf course, get out there safely. But do get out there. It's been wonderful for my mental health and Rob agrees with me as well. So, guys, I hope you enjoy the episode. Get in touch and uh, go well. Yeah, okay. Does it look good, though? What, your beard? Quite not. Yeah. Uh, well, we are in lockdown, so that's what I would expect. Mm. It's got a nice bounce to it now, do you know what I mean? <laughs> a small dormouse could fall asleep on it. It's that sort of cushion. Anyway, sorry. Uh, have you got the, got the theme tune? You know how we put the silly bit on the front, like the natural bit? Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is it. It's getting a bit long, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Couldn't think of anything. Couldn't think of anything. No, I can't think. I couldn't think of anything. Yet. Right, okay. Right, I've got it. I've got it. Let me do it again. Fine. We're allowed out. It's the Lynx Effect. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lynx Effect. Uh, and Rod, right? We do this bit all the time. We yeah. we have a little chat you do something silly on the intro uh <laughs> for, the, for the benefit of the tape rod is pulling a face um but right i thought we we do guff around a little bit for want of a better phrase when it comes to describing what the lynx effect actually is blah 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 lynx courses mental health that's about it right mm-hmm. and so i've taken it upon myself to write a very brief ode to the lynx effect like that, that in summarizes in my own words what the link effect is. All right. Why have we why have we said ode? Um, because it's a little bit poetic. All right. <laughs> okay. So broadly, the link effect is us playing two hundred forty six links courses around the world, right? The true links courses. Right. However, the links effect means a little bit more than that, doesn't it? The links means a lot more. The... <laughs> exactly. So the, the links effect is what we've called it. However, we've established the links effect as something that means a little bit more. And so this uh-huh. is my, what, what I think the links effect means. Okay? Okay. All right. Right. Here we go. An ode to the links effect. What is the links effect? It's an escape. A place to let the mind breathe, a way of thinking, a mindset, a cognitive feeling. It's doing things the right and honest way rather than the easy way. It's an appreciation of other people's stories, their background and everything they've been through that has an impact on their now. It's allowing your feelings to be felt but not letting them take over. A commitment to stop stopping and thinking and not being a twat.
Sorry. It's good. Yes. Is this getting cut? No, 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 no. No, we'll leave it in. We'll put it at the end. I think. <laughs> um, I agree with all of it. That is what we stand for. You've captured it well. There was zero poetry in it whatsoever, though. What is a poem? It read like the Ten Commandments. Maybe that's what you should call it. The Ten Commandments of the Lynx Effect. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a mouthful, but. I don't think there were ten. I don't know. I just wrote down what was in my own mind. I liked it. Supportive. Supportive. Thanks, mate. Appreciate Brilliant. it. Really we'll, we'll see if that one really sticks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might yeah, even put it in one of those little quote things on Instagram. See how that goes down. Yeah. So what are you going to call it, that Ode to the Lynx Effect? What are we talking about this week? Uh, well, it's been actually quite a big week, hasn't it? It has, yeah. We yeah. are in England, and in England we have been allowed to go and play golf. And how's that gone for you? That's my celebratory horn. Uh, how's it gone for me? I, it was a real roller coaster I played yesterday. Um, arrived at the course, you know, my best golf shirt on. Arrived at the course, police were there, so they obviously knew I was playing. Into the clubhouse one way, fine. Go and hit a few balls. Hit, actually hitting it pretty well, considering I've done nothing golf-related for eight weeks. And then came came out of the driving range. Look at the first tee, and there's two people there who look like they've never played golf in their life. And immediately, my emotions hit the floor. I'm like, oh, this is going to take ages. Well, so anyway, you were, you were playing on your own. Yeah, so I was playing on my own, and I quite frequently play on my own. And I enjoy that feeling of getting out into nature on my own with my own thoughts. Perfect. And that is what most so, people without any friends say. So. Correct. And I'm very comfortable with that. It's not a problem. It's not a new thing, that. Um, so we start playing, and on the first tee, you know, I'm stroking it beautifully down the range. Beautiful, yeah? It's just like the old days, yeah? <laughs> I tee up a nice little hybrid, and I must have hit the floor two foot behind the golf ball. On the first tee? Yeah. Hit the toe of the golf ball, and it went 45 degrees right. I was like, that. this is why I've fallen in love with golf, because it hates me. <laughs> It's a cruel mistress and hates me and it whips me every time. So I carry on playing and I'm trying to relax. And I just cannot relax because the two people in front were so slow. And even people like there was me on one tee box and then the person behind me that was playing was on the same tee box. I was socially distanced, of course. And even he was like, this is quite slow. And, and then I just felt the old feelings of like, oh, why is this so no, oh, I've got to go home because I've got nothing to do at home. <laughs> you got a rush around there, yeah, to sit on your ass then, on the sofa. Well, I got a rush to the head on the eighth oh, and the tenth. No, because I accidentally hit the ball too far. Accidentally. Yeah. Well, it's not on purpose, is it? <laughs> um, so I got told off for hitting quite close to them. Although I did call for it and I did apologise. But it. Apart from that, then I relaxed into it. And the last nine holes was just beautiful. And I completely missed that feeling of being at one with nature, not being a twat. And just, you know, I actually played pretty well as well, like considering. Sounds, what, and I, just, I really missed it. I really missed like it, it took you about nine holes to uh, to feel the Lynx effect. Yeah, I was very anti-Lynx effect for the first nine holes, actually. It was very, I don't know. Non-linked event. It's good to be back, though, right? Awful. Good to be back. It's amazing to be back. 
really amazing. And honestly, the text messages of people that have gone out and played and sort of text me, oh god, I've really missed this. It's really yeah. been a been a good release as so a Golf courses in England are open. I think Wales and Ireland are tomorrow, which is Monday for those because this is going to go out after that, obviously. Um, and then Scotland, they're only just talking about it at the minute. They're still not really sure when they're going to go back. But yeah, no, I had a, I've had, I think two nine holes, uh, and I have surprised myself with how well I'm striking the ball. Um, but for you, the question I've got for you is. How have you been mentally? Because we know, we all know, all four of us, we all know <laughs> that there's nothing wrong with your ball striker. You're a wonderful ball striker. Wonderful striker of the golf ball. But the mental side is the area you need a bit of work on. So where, how did that work out for you? Um, well, uh, I'm definitely a, a confidence player. So when I when I feel like I'm striking the ball well and it's actually going straight for once, uh, yeah. and, and I can feel little tweak, like, I don't know, over the past... However many weeks, uh, you you've been I don't know I don't maybe it's just me but I sometimes I find myself in the living room just having a quick swing like with no clubs or anything and I'm just like yeah. oh yeah no that, that feels and I may manage to do that next time that feels yeah. a little bit better and a bit more sensible uh, and so I'm I'm sort of constantly have these thoughts uh, when I'm not playing golf uh, and then for those to actually work on the course. It like something like it clicks, right? And I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm feeling uh, off the tee, especially the drive <clears throat> with the big driver, the big dog, is actually, I feel like uh, I hit two of the longest drives, longest and straightest drives I've ever hit before in my yeah. life. Yeah. Nice. Like enormous. I'm sweat. I, I'm honestly, I think they went over 300 yards. Oh, we can all write our own reviews. <laughs> well, I'm data, based on data. So, two things on that. One thing is, I've had numerous people, including myself, who have really been very happy with the way they've driven the ball. So I think there's that there's this isn't coincidence. There's something I want to delve more into this. There's something going on. The other thing is, have you ever had this happen to you? Because it happened to me on the first tee, right? Have you ever had it? So imagine you're swinging. So you're on your backswing. It's coming down. Have you ever had something jump into your head as you're coming down that completely throws you off? Uh, I don't think so. Not through my own so, doing. This this genuinely happens. So imagine, can you can you hear that? Yeah. Right. So imagine I'm going to tap it three times. Right. Once when I start. Once when I'm at the top of the backswing. And once when I hit the golf ball. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the timing of this thing that jumped into my head. So set up. All fine. So start the downswing. You're really tall. <laughs> And it just jumped into my head because I think it was because there was the the sun was behind me, the shadow was on the floor, and I sort of looked to myself with this little golf club. And it was just like, oh, you're really tall, and it just completely threw me off. And I don't know if anyone else has ever had that phenomenon, but oh my god, it completely threw me, and I couldn't stop laughing. And to be fair, I was so happy to be out. I was just beaming ear to ear. This prat who's just hit <laughs> hit a three three iron fifty yards. Uh, you're really tall. love it. Yeah, you're really tall. <laughs> the funniest thing is, you are actually quite tall. So I am. So it wasn't, you know, it's not untrue. It's just uh, yeah. untimely, if anything. Anyway, no, yeah. really enjoyed getting back out there. Uh, and long may this streak of striking the ball like I'm a pro golfer continue. Oh, certainly, mate. Absolutely. <laughs>
Links fake news card. Just news, yeah, news. <laughs> what what news have we got this week? <laughs> Other than us returning to the golf courses in England, sorry about everyone else. Uh, the uh, there's a little game going on at the minute, isn't there? So for the benefit of the tape, we're speaking on Sunday, the seventeenth of May, uh, and I think live as we speak uh, is for quite big tour players. Having a go no, around. 7pm. Oh, are they starting 7 at 7? Yeah, definitely. What, why do you think I've got it so ingrained in my head? Fine. 7pm. McElroy, Johnson, Fowler, Wolf. Yeah? The Wolf. So, Sessions. Yeah? So I, I think it's amazing that Wolf's got into that four ball, if I'm honest. Uh, why do you think that? It just shows how... how so, so, a, a year ago, would you have known who Matthew Wolf was? Yes. As a general sports fan. You you knew who he was. Uh, I don't I don't think I knew who he was a year ago. So I knew who he was because he's like literally one of the most uh, accomplished amateurs ever to play golf in the college system. And he's got a mental and, swing. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gives me great comfort actually that I can make something of my golf career. Um but no, he's had a really good start. So he's in his first you know, if you if you compared his first eighteen starts against the first eighteen starts of the other people in this uh, tournament. He's won a tournament, and only McElroy did that. And his top tens are—I think he's had seven top tens, and they're sort of eight, nine, or ten top tens. So, I mean, it's not a million miles away. Um, I do worry that his swing is so different that it's just not going to last. But anyway, so that's that's can... a little tangent I would like to explore actually. So, uh, another thing that happened this week—I uh, listened to. Uh, Rory McElroy interview on something called the McKellar podcast uh, and although okay. we probably we shouldn't be promoting other people's podcasts obviously however no, I think we should Rob I think we should if they're good this is what the Links Effect is about the right? McKellar podcast it's good content I mean listen to this first <laughs> then go and listen to someone else's but seriously the McKellar podcast uh, like the McKellar is, is like a magazine a, a publication for like serious uh, and well esteemed sports writers, uh, and they just run like a... us too. Pardon? Just like us too. Uh, just <laughs> no? like okay. us do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Rory McIlroy went uh, on their podcast, um, and he had a very relaxed and open and honest interview with them. And he right. briefly touched on uh, Wolf's swing, uh, and and in he wasn't. Like dissing him at all, but he was just sort of making an observation that with a swing like that, you've just got to hope that it holds up in those pressure situations. Yeah, because that's when it really counts, right? Uh, yeah, and, and basically, there's just a big question mark: is that does a swing like that hold up when it really, really matters in the in the final round of a major? Will it will it work? Uh, and and obviously, when things are going out of uh, out of playing, out of line, there's it's sort of less likely to work. But he might have the mental bottle to, to and the confidence in his own swing to actually make it work. We don't know. The, today, I'm very much in lecturer mode. I've done a lot of preparation, particularly for oh, okay. um, big putts, and I cannot lie. And also R and R. So um, the teaching will start now. And the teaching is, you know, in my career as a basketball player, and in golf, you know, Rob, you're an engineer. I would assume that you would understand or get that the more moving parts there in there that there is in a process, the more likely that process is to fail. Yeah. 
cumulative effect. And in in go- so in basketball, for example, the more mechanics you have in your shot, the more different movements you have. If any of those are outside of a tolerance, then you're more likely to fail in your ultimate objective. And I think that's, I'd like to think that is the same in a golf swing or in a pole vault or in an eating contest, right? But the interesting, so, the interesting thing with with uh, the human body, though, is it includes the mind, doesn't it? And so, if you're mentally, you've been reading as well, haven't you? <laughs> wow. No, no, this is off the off the hoof. <laughs> Sorry, has this been provided by Harvard? This podcast, <laughs> McKellar, who? what? <laughs> <Not to MK. laughs> um, no, but the, if the mind is is able to control the, those those movements but you can have the most perfect swing in the world and if but if the mind can't keep it up right then then you often see that you get the guys on that come on as tours as rookies with perfect swings you're like that is amazing and they just crumble like they just can't keep it up whether and and that has to be a mental thing right Mm. well i've got an example of this in big parts and i cannot lie excellent looking forward to it i'll explore that later later Um, in the show but basically, yeah, I, I would just just to briefly uh, go back and, and recommend the McKellar podcast uh, with Rory McIlroy. It's an incredible interview, uh, and he's he's extremely likable. I, I've never really sort of looked too much into Rory McIlroy. Uh, obviously, we know he's the world number one at the minute, and he's an unbelievable golfer, won a number of majors over the years. Uh, but I've never really warmed to him as a person because I don't, I just don't think I've listened to... Like you see the media side of him, right? You see that sort of person that comes off a course and tells you where it went wrong or where it went right. Uh, and I, I've always found that a little bit robotic. Whereas this interview is just like, he's just talked absolute sense. And you can tell he's got, like, he's, he's switched on. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's got a complete respect for the game. Uh, and he's just in a good place. Um, so he comes across really well in that interview. So I would highly recommend going and listen to it. It's on the list. Let's let's track back to last week. So I talked a little bit about bullet journaling. You did. Did you make any progress? Um. So I I googled it. Uh, and it, Step one. Good. Well, it it sort of made sense when you said it, and then I googled it, and it started immediately not to make much sense. It sounded mm. a little, little bit involved, like all of the specific. Uh, like different bullet points mean different things and like it, it sort of read as if like you make it up as you go along and, and you make it your own however there seem to be lots of little rules and things that I wasn't quite sure about well the thing is so so what I will say and I'll qualify this with a health hazard a health warning even <laughs> there's a hundred and different 150,000 ways of doing this yeah. and as you say it's about taking the bits that work for you so so the way I do it I don't do 50% of it because I don't live my life that way I don't you know, a lot of it is about real long-term planning. Like, I'm going to plan the whole year out. Well, I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight. So how is it reasonable for me as a, as a quite short-term person to put some very detailed planning into the next year, two years, five years? So all I do is I go, right, I've got three goals that I want to do by the end of the year. And then I plan my weeks. And, and the reason I have to plan my weeks is because I have quite busy weeks and I have lots of things that I need to get done. Yeah. And also, it's not just that I'm getting them done, I'm getting other people to help me get them done. Yeah. Right? So a lot of that is just keeping track of what's going on, but also reminding myself that in a busy working environment or whatever, I still have to fit in my time for going to the range now. 
or stretching or yeah. doing yoga or eating properly because I don't I'm not good at doing that stuff if I'm left to my own devices yeah, yeah. so all this stuff about having 15 different bullets is poppycock I didn't really think I was going to say the word poppycock today <laughs> is, it, is that one word or is that hyphenated is that the name so of it's about pod? Like the four bullets that work for you or the five bullets that work for you I find the weekly view a pretty good useful thing so I have a weekly view yeah. and then I have a big dumping list of notes yeah. and that's it really what's up I, to you uh, mate I am going to give it I think another go I say another go. I didn't really give it a go this week. <laughs> I will give it a go because I, I, I didn't do it. I had a look and I sort of got bored even reading some of the notes on it. Uh, but I can definitely see the value. And as a result of not doing it this week, I've had a pretty uh, inefficient week, I'll, I'll say. So also, I'll... what I will say is part of the process of setting it all up, doing the highlighting and stuff, is in itself a mindful act. I have got a nice journal, though. Oh, that is like a little two stripes as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's the key part of bullet journaling is not only what you're getting out of it, but also the process of it itself is very mindful. So, you know. Yeah, I know. I agree. I will give it a go. I will. I will definitely give it a go and report back on the next pod. Well, you've told our 14 listeners that you're doing it, so you're 14. accountable. Yeah. Um, another thing. The last thing I'm going to do on our little summary of what's going on. Yeah. So. That. I, I, as we've discussed before on previous podcasts, I do a little bit of running on the side. On the side <laughs> That's yeah. my main escape, what really. This? <laughs> uh, and I've made a bit of a conscious decision to actually put a bit more effort into it. And I'm, I'm going to put some long-term running goals or medium-term running goals in there. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to discuss the highs, lows, mental state of training for something with, with a goal in mind. All right on this pod i will have to think about doing something similar that's but for idea. golf next week but for golf yeah that's a good idea yeah yeah um, i mean it's a golf so, so i just wanted to introduce trying that... to turn it into marathon weekly or whatever <laughs> marathon, talk. marathon talk with yeah. rob and rod <laughs> there you go uh, anyway i thought i was that's yes. good that's that is the week that was Right, what's going on now? What are we doing next? A little bit of uh, probably our award-winning feature, I would have thought. R and R. Right, we've actually prepared for this one, haven't we? I certainly have. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this week. I uh, was on Twitter, as I sort of am for a little bit of time most days, just having a look, see what's going on, and I spotted a uh, a bit of information, an infographic from, I think, a guy called the UK Golf Guy on Twitter, and he'd done mm -hmm. a little bit of research into the cost to play courses 20 years ago uh, and today. So yeah, so this, yeah, this isn't a, a complete, the, the sample isn't huge, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I'll get back to my, but my some, other points. Some, some of the main Lynx courses within the UK, anyway. Broadly, uh, yeah. the, it showed a huge amount of inflation from 20 years ago to today, like, so much bigger than um, the inflation of uh, general inflation, whatever you want to call it. You're the economics so was, man. So, yeah, I'm about, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take it from here, mate. That's fine. 
So anyway, so, I, so can I just introduce the the, the R and R concept? Should, yeah, I'll do the stats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. he presented that golf has got a lot more expensive to play some of these top courses, uh, and my question for R and R is: is golf becoming too elitist and too inaccessible? Um, if all clubs sort of increase the rates to play, then is it just serving the elite? Uh, and I wanted to discuss that and the accessibility of golf for all. Okay. So I'm happy to put the stats up on our website or whatever. So at a very high level, it takes 19 of the top golf courses in the UK. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so ranging from Royal St. George's, which is this year's slash next year's open event, uh, all the way through to Royal Liverpool, the old course, obviously, Royal Birkdale, Royal True and St. George's Hill. Lots and lots of very well-known golf courses and quite a few of them we have to play. What uh, the blog does is it compares the UK inflation versus the average of those increases over a 20-year period. Um, so on average, the UK inflation rate meant prices generally in the UK went up by 63%, whereas the average price increase of these green fees for these 19 golf courses went up 172%. So uh, almost triple the amount of inflation lot, seen in the UK has seen the inflation of these green fees. Now, that's a lot of cash. So, for example, if we take something that's sort of near the average, Presswick, it was £80 to play it in, 20, in 2000, sorry, and it is now... £220 to play in 2021. So quite the steep increase. That's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, and and I think we should sort of play to both sides of the argument here uh, in that it ultimately these are businesses. So they're golf courses. They run. They need to make money. Uh, and... It's a classic supply-demand situation, isn't it? So that they've got... This is a tourist business, predominantly, from a lot of these courses. They are big courses, renowned across the world. You've got guys coming over from America, from from Australia, from all around the world. They're coming to play these courses, and they've got the money in their pocket to pay. And if they're able to fill the tea times with those green fees, then why shouldn't they charge that amount? So... Should we should we begin the lesson? <laughs> so, I was, so so I have an economics degree and I can't remember the last time I used it, but I thought I'd have a look. And so even even the, the blog itself from the UK golf guy touches on some of these points. So these courses, generally speaking, are held in very high regard for a number of reasons. They've either been in they've either been the course that a major event has played at, so normally the open, yep. um, or they've had some sort of international exposure, and also they'll be consistently placed in the top 100 or top 10 or 20 courses in the uk and that's obviously brings about more advertising more exposure right and so obviously that level of exposure will then carry over internationally and i think the blog focuses on the internationals people coming in and playing those courses right so when you start to see an increase in stature of a course um the brain can work in a slightly different way so so these golf courses exhibit the the behaviors associated with what's called a veblen good oh stop it i'm always teaching always <laughs> teaching 
So actually, so typically when the price goes up for something you're paying for, the demand will go down because you don't want to pay. You know, I don't want to pay £600 for a pen. I will pay a pound, right? Very high. You know, that's the normal, rational way of thinking about things. Actually, on some of these golf courses, the price goes up and the demand goes up. Yeah. Right. Some of them, not all of them, and I'm not backing this up empirically. It's also known as the snob effect. It's also known as the common law of business balance, right? It can be influenced by the amount of people that go and pay those high prices. So if you're down the pub, oh yeah, I went and played uh, the old course. It was 150 quid. You can get this thing called herding or social learning. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was a study done. I can't quote the study, unfortunately, but in our brain, we have mirror neurons that actually look for signs of herding because as a as a primate based um, organism, yeah. we 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 look for comfort in herding, right? And it's there's things like social herding. So you'll see vi- you know things going viral, for example, on on social media. <laughs> And, you know, I think this is an example of herding. And we're actually, it, it sounds like we're actually wired to look and, and, and be part of a herding behavior. So, you know, you know, if, if, you, if you, me, you and four other people were down the pub and then someone goes, well, I, I played this course and it was really fantastic. We'd all go, well, actually, maybe we should go and play that course as well. Yeah. And so that increases the demand. And then if the demand goes up, you can raise the price as much as you want because people are willing to do that it's sort of like you know if you get a really expensive ferrari part of nine tenths of buying an expensive ferrari is letting everyone know you bought an expensive ferrari right yep. it's one of those goods then the other thing is the way you use that sorry do you need to stop me here because i am running on a bit um no no i'm willing to let you no. see this one out all right okay it'll all get cut so it's fine <laughs> the other the other thing that's quite interesting is around um the way we use the information like that, right? So if we know that loads of people are going to go and play a really expensive golf course, that's the piece of data we have, right? We may have other data like, um, you know, there's a website, the top 100 says this is a fantastic course and you should go and play it. You might have, you may down the pub going, this is brilliant, but we, we can see that behavior and then we immediately draw some sort of relationship with that behavior. Like with loads of other people who are going to go and play it, I'll go and play it. Right, there's got to be something good about playing there. So actually, a lot of the smaller courses end up where you know if you don't have that recommendation and you don't have that demand, actually you end up driving that behaviour even more. So more and more people go and play it. So it's informational influence, as it's called. So even you don't know how those people have made that decision, yep. right? You don't know what data because you're not you can't ask them and go, well, why have you played here? But you follow that herding sort of thing. So there's a couple of points I wanted to say about why the behaviour might be there. I'll leave that with you. What did uh, you think of that? Because that was a bit of a rant. No, it's interesting. But it, it very much explains why uh, the situation is presented as it is, right? It explains why there's a 172% increase in the green fee on these courses versus the 63% inflation. I think it explains why. Uh, and I think my reason for bringing this up in R&R is a moral aspect of if mm. if they're all doing this like and it and and that we have no sort of the man on the street has no real uh say or or should shouldn't have really have a say in the how, the way they run their business but if everybody's doing it the net effect is that golf becomes that little little bit more elitist 
and a little bit more exclusive and for a sport for any sport that is that a good thing um when uh sort of the the, the class divide grows bigger and bigger in in the world basically yeah surely that the, there is some sort of in all businesses there's a corporate social responsibility right to to do yeah. the right thing for society uh, and if green fees are on average £241 for these courses, that's a lot of money Yeah. for Joe Blogs on the street. Fair enough, there's yeah. enough people in the world can afford to play it and they're filling the tea times. But is, yeah. it, is it right? <laughs> so I saw the data and I completely agree, right? For these courses, and let's not forget, that's a really important point because we haven't yeah. looked at you know clubs like your, yours and mine yeah. or anything like that. We've just looked at these sort of top courses which will be local courses for some people, right? So I agree with that. I think, and I'm happy to do this, I think there's some more interesting ways we can look at this. It's fine to charge more money for those green fees to a certain degree, for the international people, potentially. The question is, what are they doing with the money? Yeah. Right, so you can, the corporate responsibility angle is fine, I agree with that. And, you know, I personally think all clubs should have a responsibility to grow the game, not rip people off, set a nice environment for people, that sort of stuff, right? And and obviously operate, you know, ethically. That includes not charging people through the nose. Yeah. But actually, I'd like to see. So lots of these venues on this top nineteen are actually like open venues or have been open venues. And I'd be really interested to see when the price, if there was a big price hike, when that happened. So was it just before an open, just after an open? I don't know for sure, but I suspect you would see. A pretty clear pattern there right yeah the second thing was also the thing that i noted down in my extensive notes yeah in my extensive notes <laughs> well actually in my bullet journal to be fair is how are they using that money so if you're going to increase your fees by 200 percent over a 20 year period are you funding the course because you need to make it perfect for an open are you pumping it back into the junior program are you pumping it back into better facilities if you're doing that stuff yeah. then I think you are operating in a corporately responsible manner yeah. because if someone's willing to pay it yeah, yeah. and you're using it to better your purpose, I sort of, I sort of am happy with it. I, it's no, a lot I, of I, I agree, actually. I completely agree. Um, and I think this is, this has triggered something in my own head that I think we could probably run with as we go through this challenge as well. Uh, and maybe try and when we play some of the courses, try and get an interview with someone that's in a, a position of responsibility and see what what people are doing and discussing yeah. this topic, um, and and not not necessarily challenging, but just doing a bit of investigative journalism. Well, I think it's understanding it, isn't it, for us? Yeah. We haven't got a full day. I mean, this is this has opened a big area of understanding and investigation for us more well, you than anything. Like it. it plays to your your mind, doesn't it? Because it's economics and and talking well, about numbers and things like that. Um, you honestly sounded like a sort of disparaging grandparent there. You're like, well, you know, little Timmy can do this bit because he likes numbers. <laughs> the other point I wanted to make on that, so I think we should carry on with this, absolutely. And and I'd be interested to, you know, I'm happy to do a bit more digging and I think the conversations would be great. The other points I wanted to note is actually the event of winning the right to, to host a big tournament, right? I was sort of thinking, well, and this is a all of this is theoretical because we haven't sort of looked at any data. But like, if you win an event like that, it's like winning a Michelin star, or oh, I can't think of any other examples. But like, 
once you put that marker out externally to everyone else, everyone expects that level from you. And so as soon as you get there, you've got to maintain that level, right? Otherwise, you'll start to lose people coming to the course. You'll start to lose interest internationally. So therefore, you've got to invest in green keepers, right? You've got to invest in those additional facilities. You've got to improve them. You've always, you know, you've got to change the direction of a certain hole because, you know, the grass isn't quite growing there or whatever, right? You've got to invest so much more potentially than you did before. So is it, is this actually, it's one of those things where is it actually a poison chalice? So my, the, the sort of example I could draw across is, is the um, Rio de Janeiro Olympics, Right. And the build up to that, lots of investment, lots of money from the central government goes into building these wonderful facilities. People revisit them a number of years later. They're all derelict. There's no legacy been left. Um, the reputation of Brazil is shot and the surrounding economy is even worse than it's ever been. Right. Is it the same here where you reach that heady height and you're like, right, we've, we've, we're hosting an open. We can pump the green fees up. We can do this. If you don't maintain it, you're kind of stuffed. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's my view. I agree. And I, I yeah, no, I, I thought I'd just put it out there because I think it's a subject that we're both interested in and I think we should continue it. Oh, no. <laughs> you have such a look of disdain on your face. I'm only joking, mate. When you're in full flow, you're a thing of beauty, wouldn't you? That was good, wasn't it? I know, I enjoyed that. That was good. I think it was just a yeah. bit, an introduction. Uh, with little a deep dive into some some of the the numbers and, and some of the maybe the caveats did associated you learn anything, with them. Rob? Did you learn anything from that? I, I should probably say yes, shouldn't I? But don't ask me. There'll to... be a test at the end. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, should we right. play some other features? Yeah. So. Um... So just a health warning. I there's a lot of features flying around at the moment. I've only prepped for one. That's fine. Uh... And I put a lot of effort into it. I did have uh, a useful bit of feedback from someone this week. That was your mum. <laughs> um, which I which I had sort of come to the same conclusion myself. The our uh, blue rib ribbon feature, Faldo or Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, probably does have a limited life, purely for the fact that Sir Nick Faldo hasn't got that many quotes. Yeah. Uh, right. And okay. so and so that that one will go on the back burner for a bit, I reckon. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. These features are sort of living things, aren't they? They they don't ever die. Yeah, they grow, they yeah, 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 yeah. We they bring grow, them, they develop. We bring them back they for the live the live specials, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when we when we're filling Hackney Empire. Yeah. For the Lincoln <laughs> live show. I could better fill this room. <laughs> Should we do a live cool. show? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's do a live show. We should do a live show. Absolutely. Um, right then, so what are we doing then? So I've got a new one that I want to bring bring to the party. Right. Um, Hang on. Anyway, can I literally go and get a drink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put yeah. the... Put keep the, it rolling, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Keep, keep it rolling. Right, let's make some f***ing happiness. Back in the room. Cheers. Right. Cheers, everyone. Have you got a gin and tonic? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm treating 
uh, I've treated the last three weeks as if uh, if you take someone that's addicted to smoking and you give them 6,000 cigarettes to smoke in the, in the space of an hour and they're just sick of it, I'm just treat, doing that with alcohol. Because okay. tomorrow I'm going clean, baby. <laughs> Giving it up, mate. Giving it up for six weeks. That'll be good. Yeah. I'm going to literally look like a new man. I'm going to absolutely Adele it. Yeah. Adele. <laughs> You're going to Adele it. Look forward to that. <laughs> I'm going to absolutely Adele it, mate. You're going to learn how to sing as well. Uh-uh. Have you heard R&R? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. right, come on then. New Rodney, feature. New feature. And this is in uh, homage to uh, an up-and-coming young talent in the golfing world. My new feature is called Which One's Victor Hovland? I mean, yeah, okay, all right. I'll reserve judgment. Uh, and I have got a theme tune, obviously, as as all of these... <laughs> features do do you want to hear that yeah okay oh yeah absolutely because i've got to be honest at this point the name is a little disappointing it's very <laughs> frank if i may say that's no, victor actually but <laughs> <laughs> right go on Lab. Which one's Victor Hovland? <laughs> Which one's Victor Hovland? <laughs> Which one's Victor Hovland? Yes! Yeah, you're risking it. That's brilliant. Good. Right, I'm going to read you three things. Uh, and one of them will be about Victor Hovland. I've made one yeah. of them up, and one of them will be about a, a another famous person. Maybe golf know. or maybe other related. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So just for the benefit of the tape, Victor Hovland is an up-and-coming star on the PGA Tour. He went professional this year, this last season, I think. Uh, yeah, it's the same type as Wolf, who and you've never heard of either. So. He's already he's already won uh, one on the PGA Tour. So which bonus favorite? point if you can tell me what college he played at? Well, that's ruined question two, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a PGA win as well. What Wolf is that question three? <laughs> Uh, right. Go on. So, Go on, boy. number one. A. His father is a Greco-Roman wrestling champion. B. He learned English by watching movies including historical dramas Lincoln and Amistad. Or C. He comes from a family of six children, of which he is the youngest. Oh. Which one's Victor Hovland? So I'm pretty sure... That he is not American. That big old brain is working overtime. What does that mean? Mm. Well, it's pretty fing obvious what he means, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hidden messages in that. Um, I will give you a clue, he is Norwegian. Mm. So I'm gonna say he's not he is B. I'm going to say the other celebrity is A, and I'm going to say C is not just rubbish. Um, do I get an extra point if I get A right? If you get A right, celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's The Rock. I'm pretty sure it's The Rock. No. So you <laughs> got remarkably, you got it spot on. 
Did I? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, A is another famous Norwegian, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh. Very good. Uh, and C, good. Uh, I completely made up. Question two on yeah. which one's Victor Hovland? Which one's Victor Hovland? A, he attended Oklahoma State University where he's a teammate of Matthew Wolfe. <laughs> But there are bonus points out there for if you could guess uh, guess the other. Yeah. Uh, he was the third youngest to make the cut in the PGA Tour event at 16 years, 3 months and 24 days. Yeah. He went to the same school as Norwegian footballing legend John Arne Risa. Well, that's just not true. That one is not true because Risa's our age, isn't he? I didn't say they were in the same year. Just went to the same school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So A is him because he played at Oklahoma State, known as the Cowboys. That's a that's got to be a bonus point. For me, great bit of knowledge, great bit of knowledge. He played at OSU. Can you name another uh, another famous golfer that went to Oklahoma State University? May or may not be playing today. <laughs> Matthew Wolf is that weird? <laughs> no, Ricky Fowler went Just, to Oklahoma. Dustin Johnson didn't he? Oh, Fowler's Cowboy as well. Yeah, that's... Didn't get that, yeah, did you? Didn't get that uh, I'm going to guess because I don't know. Um, I think... Uh, I think B is another celebrity. I think C... No, other way around. I think C is another celebrity. B is just a rando. Uh, yeah, no, you got that wrong, mate. So, B... So, the third youngest to make the cut in a PGA Tour event is 16 years, 3 months, 24 days. Want to have a guess who that is? Is it male or female? Male. Sexist. <laughs> uh, it's not Matthew Wolf, is it? It's not Matthew Wolf. The answer to all of these is not Matthew Wolf. <laughs> it's just like when you do just a biology Thomas. exam when you're a kid in school in the UK and, and they say, look, if you just don't know the answer, just say osmosis. And Matthew Wolf is my osmosis. <laughs> there's, the, there's the title of this, uh, this pod. <laughs> it's my osmosis. Uh, yeah, uh, no. Tiger Woods? Justin Thomas. Question three on which one's Victor Hovland. Yeah. Uh, he's the youngest ever winner of a PGA Tour event. He nearly broke the record for the number of consecutive rounds under 70 in his rookie year on the PGA Tour. He finished the US Open a tie for 12th with a total of 280, the lowest score ever recorded by an amateur in the tournament's history. What was the first one? He's the youngest ever winner of a PGA Tour event. No, he's not that. So it's the, it's the third one. So he, he had a ridiculous uh, US Open because I think that's what kind of made him. So that's final, him. Final answer? Yeah. So what are you then saying? So C, you're saying is Victor Hovland. Uh, you're correct. So he finished the US Open a tie for 12th with a total of 280. Yeah. Lowest score yeah. ever recorded by amateur in a tournament's history, beating Jack Nicklaus from 1960. Lovely. Good knowledge. Lovely. Then the other two, he's the youngest ever winner of a PGA Tour event. Who do you think that is? He's still playing. Badly. Oh, Spieth is the correct answer. Great clue. Badly. Great clue. He is absolute toffee. Oh, sad, isn't it? God. Really sad. Shame because he's so likeable. 
Right, okay, so what right, can you finish this off, right? Get get the outro sorted and then I wanna to touch on this. Uh I just wanna have the final final stat on Hovland for that B. So he did it. So I said he nearly broke the record for the number of consecutive rounds under 70 in his rookie year. He did actually break it. So is he better than... So he holds the record for the number of consecutive rounds under 70 on the PGA Tour. Yeah. And it's his first year on tour. Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, And that was Which One's Victor Hovland? I'm cutting a lot of this out. It's a big lead up. (laughs) Which one's Victor Hovland? Which one's Victor Hovland? <laughs> Did you like that? Brilliant. Very good, mate. Good feature. I'd like to see that one come back. Uh, well, he's going to be around for a while, I think. So, hopefully, there'll be good. plenty more stats in the pipeline. I just come on. Don't like him. Come on. Let's do this. Come Next on. feature. I'm excited for this. So last last week we we introduced a new feature. Uh, I like big putts, and I can't lie. Where uh, we talked about Costantino Rocca's wonderful putt in his limoncello outfit mm-hmm. uh, at the 1995 Open, uh, and I ask you Gosh. to come back with uh, your your version for this week. And have you got one? Right. I haven't got one. Whoa! I've got like four. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, let me set the scene if I may. So, so before I start this, I I knew the part I was. I said last week, I bet you can't guess the part I'm going to take, and I immediately realised that that part was in fact a chip, so I couldn't do it. But then I knew my second, the one I was going to do, was this one. And as I started researching it even more, because I wanted to, you know, I want to bring that. people yeah. on the journey with me, right? I don't want to just say, well, there's a part. It was a bit right to left. Cheers, lads. I wanted to. I want to take you on that journey, okay. right? And so when I started researching, actually, there was some big putts before it, and big putts after it that would have meant this person was in this position. So I selected Rob for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> Tiger Woods at the U.S. Open, two thousand eight. familiar with this US Open mm. uh, I don't think I am okay let me take you on a journey <laughs> let me take you on a journey it's 2008 in the quote from Bob Costas there are lots of elements to a good sports story you can be around sports for decades but there is still every possibility that when you walk into an arena or a stadium or a golf course, that you will see something in, that in some way was different to what you've ever seen before. And this story is about one such event. I'm fucking built for I'm absolutely built for this, aren't I? So, the US Open in 2008 was at Torrey Pines, which is quite a notorious golf course, quite difficult. The US uh, PGA had made a very sort of significant announcement that they were going to try and make this a par golf course, which meant the winner should be in or around par. So it's going to be a tough test. Yeah. Tiger Woods had just, I say just, he just finished second at the Masters. And in 2008, you might remember, Tiger Woods had a very significant set of injuries. Um, so he had uh, he had an MRI and he had uh, arthroscopic surgery on his left knee. 
but it also um so hank haney remembers the mri and it was dr rosenberg uh they took the mri of the leg and they were sat in tiger's living room and it revealed two stress factors and uh hank said what's the procedure to come back and the doctor said six weeks off and then you can start rehabbing the us open was 58 days after that so around eight or nine weeks and tiger turned around and said i don't really care i'm gonna go and win the us open uh, so everyone sort of went yeah really so we get to we get to the us open at tory pines tiger has not walked 18 holes since it happened right so he's not been on a golf course he's hit some balls but he's not hit any, you know, he's not played a full round, right? And then, so it's, it's it's basically like you not having a few jogs and then turning up to an Olympic 10K, right? Barring the talent, yeah? The talent is a problem <laughs> we're, assume, we're assuming I'm an Olympic 10K runner, ability-wise. Yes, yeah. big, a big assumption there. Quite quite a large one. Anyway, so, so the round starts. Tiger starts. He starts off with a double bogey and... And he just looks out of rhythm, right? On hole one of the whole tournament. Of hole one of the whole tournament, he pulls it. It's not looking good, right? Struggles through the round, posts like a one over. And then this this guy who, uh, so Rocco Media, do you know? remember Rocco? Yeah. Rocco Media was ranked 158th in the world, right? He hadn't made a cut since the year before. He was clinging onto his tour card. He starts like two under. Right. And there's a reason why I pulled him out, because, you know, he's, he's quite integral to this story. He's 45 years old. He swings like I do. Right. <laughs> always swing. His swing gives the same shape every time. He can't shape his shots. It's always like a draw. OK, so round two, Tiger completely, completely screws up the front line really bad. There's one part in particular, which is the antithesis of this feature. Antithesis. Where he puts it, he's about he's about twenty feet away, and he puts it ten feet past. Then um, he has this moment where, and and the uh, his caddy, and I can't remember his name is Stevie. I can't remember his second name. There's a ball that Tiger's got to hit, and his spikes are on the path, cart path. Yeah, and he hits this shot, and you can hear the crunch of his knee. Ugh. Right, where basically something goes, whether it's a tendon or a meniscus, or whatever. And Stevie turns around to him and says, Tiger, look, we're a few back now. Let's just let's just let's just call it a day, right? You're just gonna damage yourself. You know, you've already got thirteen majors, you're gonna have many more to come, don't jeopardize your career. Stevie turns around to him and says, Fuck you, Stevie, I'm winning this tournament. Right? This is on round two. This is in round two. So then he uses the back nine, he just completely goes nuts, right? He just birdie after birdie after birdie. Finishes tied third, right? Round three. Real big theme. Tiger starts slow again. Then he eagles 13, right? He chips in on 17 with this like one hop, hit the flag, bounce. And then this is the first part of biggest putts, and I cannot lie, right? In this part, in this part, in this round of the tournament, he was five shots behind. And then at 13, I'll come back to 13, putt is 50 yards away, not feet, yards at the back of the pin. And everyone on the commentary is like, well, you know, if he two puts this, that's a really good effort. That's a fantastic effort. So basically, he pings it. I mean, he takes a full swing, pings it, and it's it's shaping out to the right. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably going to end up at the tee box. That's going so fast and so right. 
And then almost, and then people said this when they were watching it, it was almost like it was divine. It just turned left, yeah. <laughs> straight in. Massive fist pump, bit of a limp, massive fist pump. <laughs> Goes to 18, right? So this is part one, this is part two. Pot on 18, little left to writer, it puts it for, legal, uh, for Eagle. And then I've got this documentary and I'll put the link on, on the podcast. Everyone's like, it was a mixture between, yeah, it's Tiger, of course he's going to do that. He's the best in the world. And I literally can't believe I was there to watch it. It was that level of like euphoria. So then that's the end of round three. So there's two putts, two putts that were qualified for biggest putts. And I can't lie, it's not even the putt I've picked, right? <laughs> that's how mental this was. Round four starts. Rocco is in the second to last pairing. Tiger is first with Lee Westwood, right? Tiger starts again, really poor, has a really poor front line, um, drops the lead. Westwood fades as well. So then you've got Rocco comes up the, the leaderboard, right? And Rocco is such an outsider. I mean, I can't... It's it's similar to winning the Premier League. Yeah. Right? It's that sort of level of underdog. And everyone loves an underdog. So as they're going through, you know, 11, 12, 13, Rocco takes the league, right? Tiger Bogey's 15th the commentators are like is, is Rocco Media really going to win this like is, is this actually going to happen it's that level of sort of yeah. ridiculousness we get to the 18th Woods is one back right he needs a birdie so Rocco's already in um, sorry Rocco was first Tiger was second my bad um, Woods needs a birdie to play a playoff now in those days in 2008 it was a full 18 hole playoff and you would play on the Monday so if you drew, you're back in on the, you're back in work on the Monday playing a full round. So Tiger tees off, hits the bunker on the left with a dodgy knee. Everyone's worried. He's he's literally literally limping on the tee box. Right, he cannot walk. Puffs out onto the right, hits the, hits the rough on the right, hits a perfect approach front of the green, bounces on, checks back a bit. He's got about I don't know, it's like a ten or twelve foot, right. And this is my big putts, and I cannot lie. He has a putt with one leg, right? He's been down four rounds in a row. He's been down one leg. His knee, literally something in his knee has gone mid-round. And he's got a putt for about 10, 12 feet. And in his words, it was about two and a half balls outside the right. And he said the green was not smooth. So the only thing I could do was hit a pure stroke. Yeah. And if it didn't go in, it's not on me, right? So he hits it. I'd say about halfway through the putt on its way, he's he's walking. Like, he's he's wheeling off. He's, like, giving it the big shearer, you know, like, I'm ready to head off, right? And so he gives it the one-two step, the ball drops, and he's giving it double fist pumps. Oh, yeah, yeah. All this sort of stuff. Everyone around him shaking his hands, can't believe it. It's like a proper... I can't. I, I just cannot think of a different example that is the same as what happened here but it hasn't stopped there let's let's not forget got to come into work on the monday so rocco's there going rocco's like isn't this what every golfer dreams of i get to play with the number one player in the world for 18 holes and i'm going to beat him so rocco's sitting there going i've still got this but i'm still going to beat him i've got and he's got nothing to lose right and Tiger's sitting there, you know, still rocking in. So Rocco turns up Monday morning, go on to the first tee. Rocco's wearing Tiger red, 
right? So Tiger famously wears red on a Sunday. Yeah. And people used to joke about how much of an aura it has and all this sort of stuff. Rocco says, walks up to Tiger and says, good morning. Then Tiger turns around to him and says, nice fucking shirt. <laughs> so he knew he was in the game. So, and it, and the, the, the next 18 holes are nip and tuck, right? A shot here, a shot there. Rocco well, I'm holds looking, out. I'm looking at the scorecard. Rocco Media is uh, three over at, at 10 holes with yeah. his even par. So Media is exactly, three, three right. shots behind. So Tiger said, uh, so Rocco in his words said, the world thought I was going to get murdered, but I actually love the fact I was an underdog, right? So they get to 10. Rocco, Rocco basically goes to his caddy, goes, I, I'm not going out like this. I'm just going to start firing and playing loose, whatever. Tiger Scott's going downhill. And then this is my fourth and final entry into the putts, and I cannot lie. Rocco has a right to left downhill, straighten out at the end on 15 to go one up, to go one up against Tiger Woods, right? He he nails this part. It just kind of it goes right to left and then straightens out the bottom and it just drops in. Tiger then cannot walk off the 16th tee because his knee is so bad, right? Then the rest is history. They tie through 18, right? So we're now on hole 90, 91. Yeah. So then they go back to the seventh. Rocco kind of set up basically. Tiger wins. So Tiger wins after 91 holes after having one leg. Yeah. Nailed three or four candidates for big putts, cannot lie. Even Rocco answers back with a couple. It was just so I watched a documentary and I'll put the documentary link. Um it's called uh Epic. Epic US Open, Tiger versus Rocco. 45 minutes. It's a great quarantine watch. But honestly, Rob, I, I just got suckered into it. And I was like, I cannot give you one part. I have to give you the whole event. You've given me, it was you've so... me everything. I always give you everything, mate. <laughs> I'm going to have a sip of drink. I'm going to let you reflect on that. There's a lot of information I've just thrown at you. There is. Uh, and remarkably, I don't remember that. No. As a golf fan, I'm, I'm ashamed. To say that I, don't I must admit, that. it took me. Um, I I had to watch the. I remember. I remember the part, which is why it jumped to to my mind. But I don't remember all of the events leading up to it. There was a comment by um, Stuart Appleby. It was a horrible comment where he he was in the running at some point, and the commentator said, "Well, how are you going to beat Tiger?" And he said, uh, "Well, the only thing I think I can do is like throw a club at his knee." <laughs> Which I thought was pretty. That was very not. That was not consistent with the O to the links effect at all. <laughs> um, thank but you, thank I mean, you for yeah. re- recognizing the ode. Oh, always the same, mate. Always the same. But yeah, it was just. It was a phenomenal. And the part itself, actually, and this is why I think it's worth telling the story. The part itself was not that. It didn't look that impressive. It's not like a really long part or anything like that. It's just the circumstances leading up to it. And the fact that if he'd missed it, that's number 14 down the drain. And if he makes it, well, he's still, you know, imagine imagine if you've got a torn quad muscle yeah. on the Sunday. And if you run a certain time, you have to run on the Monday. That is a, there's a serious, serious fortitude to put yourself up for that fight. Not only for that part, but the next day as well. I thought it was incredible. That was his last was win in the major until the Masters last year. Mm-hmm. Because then he had to go through a lot more yeah. rehab and 
had to change his stroke and all this sort of stuff. So there you go, mate. I Loved hope that it. has um, met the billing, met the uh, briefing. Loved it. Certainly does. Well, you give me four putts, so I thought I was going to be spread over four weeks, but I've given you a month's worth of putts, so <laughs> that really can't lie. So love it. Good. That's about it. Isn't Anything it? else? I don't think so. I think we've covered, um, covered everything on my list. What's your um, what's what's your plans for next week, mate? Are we are we out? Are we playing? Uh, yeah, we're allowed to, aren't we? So it's more than the the moral aspect, I suppose, but. Um... Well, I think we just play it by ear, don't we? Day by day, this sort of coronavirus. And, and, yeah. Um, and how how the, the all the different measures are working, you, you never really know. But we live two hours apart, and so uh, at the minute, I think driving between those two places is is a little bit. You, you, I wouldn't pass the red face test at the minute. I don't think. Right. I think we're wrapping it up anyway. We'll, all uh, right, we'll see how we go. We'll play some more golf, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Good. All right. Just before we go. Uh, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Get in contact with us if you anything there that you found interesting. Probably a lot of my lectures around economics. Um, give us a give us an email, rod at roads two four six dot com or rob at roads two four six dot com. Check us out on Instagram at the links effect. And uh, is there anything else? We have a website, but we're doing a major update on that uh, this week. Okay, sure. Yeah, well, I'm here. Fine. Yeah, well, I've, I've got to get my literature on the website, haven't I? So, um, <laughs> so look, guys. As always, uh, stay safe, stay alert. And there, there is saying. a uh, you you came up with a lovely saying the other the other week that I think is now our new closing line on the podcast. Do you know what it is? Yeah. May the links, uh, may the links effect be with you. See you later. See you, Matt. Right, I'll do.